I was, so I woke up on Saturday. I'm like exercise every day. And so in the afternoon I, I got, and I do what I would consider like a pretty chill ass workout mm-hmm. because like by the standards that I used to have. And, uh, I just, I just immediately threw up. Scotch. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 306 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I do web things. I'm Sam and I'm there teased. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is April 8th, 2021. Dunk on everyone. Before we get started, we have a warning. We're just going to swear in this show. There's going to be profanity. That's, that's how we like it. Uh, it's it's, a, it's just a great way to express yourself. Yes. So. So just be be ready to get excited and, about that. You know, studies do show that people trust people who swear more. So yep, it's just more authentic. Yeah, you just got to be know. careful. That's only true in certain ways of swearing, though, because if you the good it, ways, if you swear discussed. while lying, people will trust you less. Yep, if yeah. they ca- if they catch you, you know, lying is all about not being caught. You know, let's be real. You can do it, but you got to be sneaky. It's like mm-hmm. crime. Uh, also, we would like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net for donating to support the podcast. We got a couple of uh, new donors with some messages. We got Sir Fry, who says, I've been listening to you guys for three years. Oh, sorry, Whoa. for free for years. <laughs> I misread that as three years. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, for, well, for free years. It's time I get off my ass and contribute. Thanks for all the entertainment. Thanks. Thanks. And uh, yeah. And we also got T4, who says, thank you guys for doing the podcast every week. The wide range of topics you guys cover is amazing, and I always look forward to the next episode. Thank you again. So thank you very much, both of you, for the donations, and uh, thanks to our recurring supporters. I'm glad the topics that, really are all over the place. Yeah. Just, uh, just all over the place. Say, I'm really glad that they appreciate that fact that we have almost zero control over what's happening. On it. Yeah, just none at all. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, this is a this is a game dev podcast, so I want to really like I want to get back on track this week. Mm, okay, you know? yeah, yeah. And so Take the first us. thing I want to really talk about is jelly beans. Okay, naturally, yeah. the segue is so hundred percent. Okay, so before I get into this, how do you guys feel about serving sizes, just as a concept? Uh, it's give, it's a nonsense concept made by corporations to lie to you about just how much they're fucking your body, right? In a bad way. Yeah, Serving think, size of Oreos, two. Yeah, two I think for me, it's like they, it's never the amount that you actually eat of a thing, even when you're not like it's it's not the human scale that they're looking at. You know what I mean? Like if I go to eat some Oreos, I'm going to eat at least four fucking Oreos. You know what I mean? Like that's how yeah. Well, I think and I think what bothers me about it too is it's called the serving size, in implying that you're like if you were serving this to someone, this is how many you would give to them for that to be like a satisfying amount. Right, and it's like two Oreos. No, a half a sleeve of Oreos. Yes, is a is a serving. Yeah, they're, but they're they, not. They don't want to say that because that's three thousand calories. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they're not. <laughs> yeah, they're not doing it on like the the human element here, which is like, how does a a person approaching a bag of this particular good meter it out in a satisfying way for themselves? Which one hundred percent is about like the shape of the food, the size of it generally. Like, yeah, you're not going to give them a two yeah. Oreos. And be so like, it's you it's be all. It's all over the fucking place. I mean, I love goldfish crackers, right? Yeah. The serving size of goldfish crackers is 55 pieces. 
however so, much that is. Yeah. So yeah. I, one day I was like, how do I – I want to know if I'm – am I eating like a reasonable number of, of goldfish crackers calories-wise? And so I counted out 55 pieces and then I'm looking at it and I'm like, I still don't know what the fuck this means because <laughs> if you've got them laid out on a table, it looks like a lot. Yep. You know, because it's flat. Put them in a bowl and you're like, oh, that's hardly any. You know, and then you eat them and you're like, it seems, I, don't, I have no idea. So anyways, serving sizes, they're fucked. Mm-hmm. I was at the grocery store picking up uh, picking up a melatonin refresh. Okay. Does it I, have I, serving sizes also? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> it can. Because uh, normally, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, it, it comes in milligrams, right? So oh, you have, you'd have yeah. like a little, little like milligram, like. Five ten, whatever milligram yeah. uh, do, pill. Are you, get, are you getting like the gummies or something? So there's like also sugar in there. Well, so so I I saw they had sugar free jelly bean melatonins. Whoa! And I was like, fuck yeah! Mm. I could just I could just slam a couple of jelly beans. And a bonus bed. that's probably also a laxative. Is exactly what I was. I was like, I feel like you're just gonna shit the bed. We've talked about these yeah. gummy bears before. Yeah, they're dangerous. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I, th- I think you need to eat probably quite a lot of sugar-free things before you, s- you start shitting your That's pants true. off your body. But, um, but this is where things, this is where things get sinister with these jelly beans. Okay. So I look at the, I look at the, the, the jar, <laughs> bottle, whatever of jelly beans. It's like melatonin jelly beans, five milligram. And I'm like, dope, dope, dope. Uh, I take 20 milligrams of melatonin because I, I, I can't fucking sleep ever. And that's just how much melatonin I need to go to bed. <laughs> so uh, normally I would take like two of these 10 milligram melatonin little like tablets or whatever. Uh, so I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, I could eat four jelly beans. No problem. I can eat four jelly beans before bed. Uh, so I get home and I, I just flip around. I'm like, let me just double check. Like, is, is there like, I know that was just sugar free, but I'm kind of suspicious about this, you know? Uh, I, I turned the bottle around. I'm looking at the nutrition facts, and it says serving size four jelly beans, huh. meaning you got to eat four jelly beans to get five milligrams of melatonin, which means I got to eat sixteen fucking jelly beans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> to get my normal amount. Uh, so now I'm in this I'm in this jelly bean crisis where before bed I gotta I gotta figure out like oh, oh my god because like I gotta chomp down sixteen of these things or now I gotta mix and match like one tablet with eight jelly beans. So I'm out, I'm over here just like counting out like pills and jelly beans, like a farm, like a pharmacist. <laughs> well, you could also try it. Cause I've heard that. I know that, uh, I think melatonin also works better in, in like the really small doses, right? Isn't there some studies in that where it's like two milligrams or less is actually more effective oftentimes than a, like a, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I try to watch, I tried a wide true. range of possibilities. Like I, I started with the three, nothing mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Did the five, nothing happened. Did the 10, nothing happened. Did the 15, nothing happened. Started to feel some stuff at 20. I'm like, okay, well, there you go. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that it's actually the idea is I think that uh, – because it's about being able to wake up also and then the quality of your sleep, right? Because right. in general, there's all kinds of stuff that can make you tired, like alcohol, right? Um, and But most of those things also fuck up your sleep in some way right. and or make it hard to wake up. And so yeah. – um, so, because melatonin doesn't work for everybody, it does, but it, it seems to work for a lot of people. It's one of those weird things. It's like there, there are all these, like there are a handful of these drugs that, like, they're not studied enough to the point so that it looks like when you, so that you don't know if it's real or not, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's enough people who for whom it seems to work that you're like, well, it, I guess it is, you know. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's so yep. melatonin is in that weird little spot where it does seem to work actually for a lot of people, but the dosing 
it can have a huge impact. So if it does work on you, if you go too high, then you have trouble waking up. Like your morning, your wake up process gets fucked and then you feel like shit anyway. Right. Yep. And so, so it's, you don't want to like max it out. You want to find the dose where it starts to work and then like, don't go. You want to find the dose that helps you, that helps you fall asleep. Yeah. And no more. And stop there. Uh, So, which unfortunately for me is quite a bit higher. 16 jelly beans. (laughs) Most people. Uh, Jelly beans. So anyways, serving sizes, bullshit. That reminds uh, me that, of a GDC, I want to say, I guess the last time we went, which was a hundred years ago. Yeah. Uh, where we, because every year when we go to GDC, we're like, okay, we're all going to get sick. So, so a few weeks before we start loading up on vitamin C and zinc. And then while we're there, we're like, the first thing we do every time we arrive is we go to the Target and stock up on snacks and, and the drugs, right? So we got that, you guys remember that giant box of vitamin Vi- C? Yep. Vitamin C chew, chewable, chewable uh, gummies, you know? Yeah. And we had to like take like eight a day. Yeah. Drug deal. Like every morning we'd be like, all right, everybody get your, come get your, uh, get your fail, you know, and then you shake Yeah. Out, we're like, taking a handful <laughs> to, yeah, to do it. Cause yeah, that is, yeah. It's, that is something I learned is I have to avoid most of the gummy mechanisms of things, even though they're more fun. Um, because you end up needing so many, right? Yeah, and you end up you end up eating a full meal before breakfast, and then you're and it's just pure sugar <laughs> or yeah. pure not well, sugar, which is somehow sometimes even. No, I think but the thing is like yeah. it, it might not because I don't know what I don't know what you're legally allowed to call sugar free, right? Because it might mm-hmm. just mean that for the because for certain kinds of things that are that you can classify as not food, right? Because Tic Tacs do this, right? Tic Tacs have oh, zero yeah. calories supposedly, but they're just sugar. They're they're, they're pure sugar. And somehow they have zero calories, right? And it's because they've been classified in some way that allows them to go through a loophole where like it's a breath mint or whatever the fuck, right? So it's not candy. So it's not food. And so like their serving size can be – it's like one – it's like two Tic Tacs or something, right? And you know how fucking small those are. Right. And so they get – so like everything is zeros all the way down because when you round it for that tiny of a volume, there's nothing. But of course like when I get Tic Tacs, I eat the whole thing, you know? Like oh, yeah. that's – you throw it back like a like some nerds, you know, like a box yeah. of nerds. Because like, yeah, the orange. So yeah, because you, yeah. oh, you want the freshest breath. With the freshest breath. I just yeah. want so the I orange text. To be honest with you, those things are delicious. Those are great. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I imagine if you're doing, uh, you know, gummies uh, for like vitamins or melatonin or whatever, because those aren't f- food, right? Mm. Then they can they can be way more squirrely with the nutrition facts on those things. Um, so that when they say sugar free, it might not. It might actually still be real sugar. It just might fall into like zero when they round it. Because of mm. the small amounts that you take, because so they, they don't show it. they don't show sugar in milligrams; they just show it in grams. Yeah. So if it's like well, it's like two hundred milligrams or something, then that's zero now. Zero. You know, it's as if it's not even there. Well, yep. Seth, uh, you know, this topic seems very far away from game dev. So I'm assuming your next one is going to be, you know, well, closer. it's 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 tangential. Okay, yeah, okay. So we're work, we're working our way in. We don't want to. You don't want to like go right in. You got to sneak dev. up on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So so. Kind of this hilarious sequence of events. We're like last Friday during our town hall, which is our sort of end of week recap. I guess it was last Thursday because we had a, a, a long weekend, but uh, we had our end of week recap, and we kind of ended up in this interesting conversation about catastrophic failures mm-hmm. and how back in the day we used to program our games for graceful failure, which is that if if we introduced a bug or if, if something happened in the code that really shouldn't happen, you know then the game would just kind of swallow it. It just kind of like handle it and keep running. It wouldn't crash, right? Uh, so we would we try to set up all the game systems so that they could just keep on soldiering on despite uh, us 
writing unstable bad this code. This is basically the sort of walk it off approach from Walk it off game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you don't know where the character's inventory went, but like just deal just with stay it. Stay in okay? there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Find a uh, way. Just stuff like that. And that's a I guess a fine approach to take if you have literally no QA and no testing, which is not a necessarily a fine approach. But, you know, if you're doing that, mm-hmm. your game is under-tested and it's going to be full of bugs. So trying to make the game just handle the bugs is, I guess, the way to do it. Uh, now that we do have testing and we are trying to focus on quality, we've completely flipped the other way where we say we want every error to be absolutely catastrophic. Yep. As in, the first time something goes wrong, we crash the game with an error uh, because we want our QA to be able to easily find those things and re- report them back to us, right? Yeah, because the main uh, problem with a graceful failure isn't isn't even like the functional question of like, is that even a good idea and so on? It's that it means that you don't know when errors are happening, right? Yeah, and So exactly. then you can't fix them unless you find some way to couple. So Because actually there are two approaches to graceful failure. One is – you don't trust your own code and aren't sure what it's going to do. And so you prepare sort of strategies to like handle the weird stuff that can happen, right? Or, or, or there are bugs that occur and you don't know how to solve them. So you find weird workarounds to like manage the fact that, that bug sometimes happens, right? Yeah. Um, so there's that one. And that's, that's the one where you're like hiding it even from yourself, you know? And there's the other approach where you know the kinds of errors that can occur and you plan for them. And you have designed the system in such a way that those errors are actually possible and they mean something useful. Like it's actually, it's not, it's not catastrophic that it happened. It wasn't unintentional that it happened or whatever. And so now you can capture the information, you can log it, you can do whatever, right? But you want the game to keep going in that scenario. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's these scenarios when, when an error occurs and, and there's no reason that should have happened, right? Those are the yep. ones you should never be hiding. And those those we were hiding constantly. I was doing on the web the web tech too. It was like just one giant stack of things throwing errors that I didn't know anything about that I just <laughs> pretended didn't happen, you know? Yeah. Cause because you know, typically uh in, in programming, you know what is like the range of expected outcomes. And then there's like anything other than that. Um, you know, like like if you think that you have a list that has like one, two, and three in it, and you and you add that you add those numbers together, you should get six, right? Uh, so so you've got a, a range of possible things. Like, what if the word Steve is in that list all of a sudden? Now you can't add stuff together anymore, and that's a real problem. The game what should. If, crash. What if that list right. isn't a list anymore? Yeah. What if it doesn't even exist anymore? Uh, like, there's all kinds of weird stuff that could happen if your code is out of control. Well, this is particularly and, true for things like games and and web tech, right? Because these are long lived things that aren't just like. They're on a piece of code where it's like starts here and it's like this goes to this, this goes to that, this goes to that. There's like a jillion things it's happening at once. Yeah, it's a loop. And also it it its states are not well defined because there's so much variety in what states the whole system can end up in that it's effectively infinite. There's effectively infinite states that the system can be in, and there's no way for you to be able to know what all those possible states are. Right. So, so you want to make sure that your code is is uh, able to handle those problems, and that you know what's what is a bad outcome, and that you just like blow it blow it up if a bad outcome happens. So, um, so we were talking about that last week, and that really got me thinking about just like just life with relation to this problem of graceful failures, right? Because every day we're all failing to do a variety of things that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that we aren't really getting good real-time feedback for. So you eat, you, you just like eat some fucking Lucky Charms for breakfast. Probably not the best uh, breakfast, you know, but today your body will literally swallow it and be like, that's fine. I will keep soldiering on. Right. You know? doesn't, doesn't hurt you today. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it's this, this large, and maybe it's exercise, you know, whatever it is. There's this large collection of bad things that you can do that your body just, just handles right up until it definitely doesn't. Bodies are basically right. graceful failure machines, you know? Yeah. yeah. They can take all kinds of abuse and they don't just like, it's, it's not like as soon as you touch a marshmallow to your tongue, you know, that your mouth catches on fire and you're like, oh my God, like definitely not going to eat those because there's literally no reason to nutritionally, right? Uh, nope. That's not what happens. You get to eat it. And, and in fact, it's delicious. Uh, so, so you got kind of a double problem there. So I've, I've known that throughout the pandemic, I have really not done a good job of maintaining my my fitness. Okay. My diet is okay. It's not great, but it's definitely not bad. But I have not I just not been exercising uh for quite some time. And after our conversation about this like graceful failure, catastrophic failure thing, I started thinking about like what am I what am I doing that is just like an endless series of graceful failures? Mm-hmm. And it's definitely exercise. And so I started thinking about like, why, um, why, like, why am I not doing this? Because whenever I want to get started, I would always start coming up with a plan, start scheduling, start, you know, it's like, it's like, it has to be a big, a big change. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, let's tell us, how about I just quit being weird about it and just go fucking do it. And so I, I just started the mantra, just exercise every day. Literally doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter how long it is. Could be three minutes. Doesn't just exercise. You don't need to have a particular. You're not. You're not trying to lose weight or gain muscle. You're just. I'm just trying to exercise. Mm-hmm. Right. There's. That's it. Just so as like. So you got a few things you do in the day. You sleep. You eat. You exercise. Right. Mm-hmm. Exer- just exercise every day. Don't even worry about rest days. Don't worry about like logging your weights and reps. Don't worry about timing your miles. You run, just fuck it. Just, just move your limbs. So, so I was like, okay, this is basically right. the direct opposite of your normal approach. Yeah. So Saturday rolls around. Cause I had all, I had Friday to think about this and I was like, okay, you got to start tomorrow. Woke, That's how these things I work. woke up. Yeah. Yeah. I was, so I woke up on Saturday. I'm like exercise every day. And so in the afternoon, I, I got and I do what I would consider like a pretty chill ass workout because mm-hmm. like by the standards that I used to have and uh, I just I just immediately threw up. <laughs> like, how many minutes? How many minutes from like starting to just like actively vomiting? Or how like how long is this? Well, no, because I it was just like a it was like a fifteen minute workout, not that intense. Um, I had, you know, I had quite a few different like muscle groups and stuff, did, like did quite a few different things, but not a lot of any one thing. Mm-hmm. And then it was like 15 minutes later. Yep. It was kind of like one of those like overtime, like you just become increasingly, you're like, this is, uh, this is. Oh, I've made a mistake. Yeah, you're failure. like, you're like I'm, I'm not handling this. Uh, and then you get like the sweaty head uh, the worst. and you just, and you just like suddenly you're just cold. Uh, so anyways, that was a catastrophic failure. Right. And, uh, so then every literally every day since I'm just I'm I'm living the exercise every day mantra. I'm like, just do it. Just do it. Doesn't matter what it is. Just walk into the room where I'm working out and just think like, okay, whatever. What's the least sore part of my body right now? 
Yep. Uh, my legs. Okay, I'm gonna do some squats. All right, I did some squats. There, exercised. I exercised today. Uh, so it's been way easier to just do that instead of making a big deal out of it. Um, yeah, feel a lot better. You know. That, yeah, that's the key to it because I, I basically had the same thing, not related to exercise, but like I talked about this with the with the Dev Chat newsletter when I first put that together because I'd been wanting to do it for like, and I kind of had an idea about it for weeks, but I was just like, oh, but I like, where am I going to send? people and like how do i make sure that they can like get signed up for you know, like i was in and, and what am i going to talk about like who is this for and i just like it was like this on and on and on set of problems and it was the same deal one day i was just like who fucking cares right i just like yeah, so i quit, went for the easiest weird things yeah so i went for the easiest things i had access to which was one i'd already built a newsletter system for the for the for bscotch and so i was like hey sam and seth you mind if i just add a new one that just i just do weird shit in and they were like sure so then you know, that's X'd off. That was easy. And I was like, okay, what am I going to write about? And I was like, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to start writing stuff that I think is interesting. So now every, I, I, I told, I, I told Jenny, my wife, about one of the, one of the ones that I'd put out, like the number two or number three. And, she, and her response was, you really just do put whatever you want in there, don't you? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I just put, and then, and then last week I did a stream, uh, which I'd been wanting, I'd, I'd been wanting to do some programming streaming for, again, also weeks. But I was always like, oh, but I got to get like a good setup. And like, what am I going to stream about? Like, what? Are the, yeah. And again, it was just this endless thing. And then one, and then just last Thursday in the afternoon, I was like, fuck it. I was going to do it tonight. Right. And I just sent out a tweet and just said, I'm going to do this. And now all of a sudden I had committed and then I didn't have any time. So I was like, okay, I just got to get something going as fast as possible. You know, you just, just do it. I just it's did. And, and like, and it had to be, and it had to be in the easiest way that I could, um, because otherwise you're just keep on adding these barriers. And cause I figure like over time, you know, these things can become more concrete if that's useful. But, uh, but if you're focused so much on the whole system, mm-hmm. then you can't start. Yeah. There's a know? benefit yeah. to it's this idea of, of working stupid, right? Which is like sometimes there's the stuff you're dealing with is either it's hard enough or it's got too much, it's got a lot of complexity that you could get involved with. Uh, and sometimes uh, in those cases, the best way to actually continue working on the project or to make some progress is to just stop giving a shit about all that for a while. Because like the reality is once you get once you get in there, you automatically start having to solve some of these problems that you were yeah, thinking I mean, this, about. Right? This harkens back to our old our old uh, slogan from the podcast of you just got to get in there. Yeah. In there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's really the only thing you got to do. Uh, you don't need to plan anything. You don't need to have a good setup. You don't need – you just got to fucking get in there and just do a thing. It's really – could be weird day. about and, it. And it, <laughs> it, is the, it is the case that that if you can tackle a problem with a lot of careful thought and foresight and like figuring out what kinds of – like that, that is always the best thing. But, but the reality is that you're usually choosing between not doing a thing or doing it stupidly because doing it smart – is so hard that you'll usually fall back to not doing it. And it's better to do it stupidly than not at all. And then maybe someday do it smart, you know? Um, but, you know, something's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. It really is. But if you can do uh, it smart, do it that way. If you can't, do it dumb and stop worrying about it. Yep. Just do it. Somebody said that. I don't know. Somebody, I don't know. Know. somebody said that. Uh, and so also, speaking of streaming, Ludum Dare is coming up. That is the global game make. It's not the global game jam, but no, it is a, a gl- it is a worldwide <laughs> game jam uh, around the globe. That is a game jam competition, and that is happening April the weekend of April twenty third, I believe. And uh, I'm gonna make a thing for it. Uh, maybe Adam will join. Don't know, but you know, we'll see. And uh, pretty good chance that it'll be streamed. So. 
Uh, if we, if I do stream it, then I'm not really going to be competing probably to try to like make a high rated thing. Cause streaming while programming, you just, you can't make anything particularly involved cause you, you know, you got to, or gotta, at all, even, you know, to, yeah. to a degree. Yeah. Uh, cause I, you know, I'll, I'll need to, I'll, I'll be talking with the, the, the chat on the stream and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, so that's, that's coming up. And if you want to, uh, get notified when those streams start, then you can go to twitch.tv slash bscotch and that's where it'll be. And also if you subscribe to that, then you'll get Adam's, uh, streams. If he does more of them in the coming, in the coming weeks. Yep. Uh, all right. Now, before we get on to questions, I want to talk a little bit about this Microsoft report about remote work. Mm, you want to get into it? You want to mm-hmm. go for I it? I want to get. I want to get into it. All right. Here's here's the deal. So, if you're on the internet this week, last week, probably next week too, uh, Microsoft's report about usage of its Teams service, as well as just some internal reporting about the effic- efficaciousness, efficacy of their remote work shift. Uh, came out, which has caused uh, a lot of people. So I think the one I saw this morning, I saw this like a couple of days ago, or maybe a week ago, and then I saw it again and again. The one this morning, I think, was either from like Bloomberg or like a Washington Post. You know, everybody's basically picking up on this. And more or less what the Microsoft report says is that uh, due to the change in remote work, that what they've been seeing on the worker side is that people who are in positions of authority where they get to decide how they, you know, do stuff with their day, so bosses generally, having a much better time actually, than they used to. Uh, everybody else having a much worse time, right? Um, in particular, the sense of, of feeling completely basically exhausted at all times, right? Uh, total amount of emails being sent is like way, 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 way the hell up. Uh, amount of chat happening is, of course, exploded. And importantly, not during the work hours. So uh, in other words, people are just on all the time now. Um, and interestingly, I think what's been fascinating about watching the, the the report and the response to this report has been that largely everything I've seen so far has been the completely unnuanced take of remote work as a failed experiment. Yeah, everything that you've just described, I keep thinking like, what does any of that have to do with remote work? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I read this thing and I was like, I was, I almost started like giggling because I was like, one, uh, why are you handling anything with emails anymore? Why? Like when it comes to internal, internal team stuff, like you should be using some other production level software to do task management and stuff. Um, two, like, you know, why is it the case that you are allowing your, your teams to be called on at like 9 p.m. or to even send messages like all this stuff? And so there's, it basically looks, it was one of those things where I was like, I think that, there's going to be this big shift. There is going to be a big shift back into uh, office work. And a lot of the general talk around it is going to be around this idea that remote work is, is a failed experiment, which conveniently allows everybody to just sidestep the fact that the way most companies run is yeah, itself the design a failed of experiment. The work is yeah. the failure. And that having an office is actually a graceful failure mechanism that hides – because like all the things that you talked about, right? Uh, they already those, were happening. They were happening, but it's easier to to on to like to reduce the scale of the of the negative impact because there's now a forced separation mm-hmm. of work from home, so that the impacts of all those things mostly hit you during the workday, right? And the and like the scale of these various components that are poorly managed, like chat and uh, email and any and then also presumably work work management boards and stuff, mm-hmm. right? Uh, most of those are put together without any real reason, without any thought to how they're designed around the work needs and around the people who are doing the work. Um, 
And if those aren't designed for that, then as they start to get overwhelmed, as in people suddenly aren't in the office so that to talk to each other, they send emails and chats, right? Yep. And you never had any rules about that. Yep. Then now all of a sudden, like those systems that were meant for uh, a rarer kind of purpose are now overwhelmed. They were already bad systems, but now they're overwhelmed. They weren't scalable. Right? 100%. And so suddenly you took all these systems that weren't scalable and weren't working well anyway, but didn't have to scale in the context of working in an office. And then you make them scale. And what happened is it revealed problems with those Yes, hundred percent. Right? Yep, and it didn't I did, reveal yep. problems with work from home. It revealed problems that were there. Work from home revealed those problems. It's exactly the opposite. Yeah. So a lot yeah. of times, and this is something you'll see, uh, and you can you can see this oftentimes even in your own life. Like when you switch contexts to a completely different context, whether in this case we're talking about working working at an office to working from home, uh, it could even be something like you know starting to uh, you know work out again, or it could be something like. Um, going and visiting a new country or something like that. When you switch context, that's that's always the time where it becomes obvious what stuff you've been doing that has actually been sort of being hidden as far as how it's not actually working for you. Because yeah, it's the do, it's the do a light workout that start vomiting. Yeah, yeah. But, well, but it, but, it's the, <laughs> actually, but the very problem is that it, it doesn't become obvious, right? Um, because it requires a lot of reflection and careful analysis it of does, the components yeah. with with uh, minimal bias about what's the the good thing or the bad thing, right? Which is very, very hard. It's mm-hmm. basically impossible, right? And so, so in the same way that you can go to another country, and most people, when they go to another country, their only thoughts ever will be like, people do stuff weird here, right? That's the only, that is the furthest that their brains are ever going to go on that topic. And when they come back to their home country, they're going to just be relieved and be like, I'm glad I'm back to normalcy, where people do things the normal way, right? Because, <laughs> Because they don't understand, like they they can't take that next step and be like, "Why the hell am I calling this normal?" Right? It's only because I'm used to it, and you and you didn't take the step of actually evaluating the details and asking like, "Why? Why is well, this this way?" And, and how what does that do for me? Yeah, I think there's this kind of a sinister layer to this too, which is that like, uh, let's say you're working in a large office and pre-COVID times, so most of the ways that stuff gets done is through these through meetings and through personal. Just like informal contacts, oftentimes informal mm-hmm. personal chatting, which is not being captured by your normal like work processes, right? Unless somebody then takes that conversation or that meeting and then goes and logs it in a task management system or or whatever. Um, so so you've got that, and and when you go home for the day, those mechanisms for creating new tasks go away. Mm-hmm. Right, because you're not next to those people anymore, and since person to person, face to face chatting was the way that sort of idea generation happened and work was generated, there's this big hurdle all of a sudden, right? And so when you're home, you can't do that, and so th- so the work stops for the day, right? Uh, and what the work from home switch has revealed is that is that that actually was the only thing keeping these companies from working people into the ground was yeah. that they hadn't actually developed the the mechanisms to make you work outside the office because it was too expensive to change how work got created. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, uh, so, I think there's, there's a big, like I, whenever you're reading these uh, reports like this, I think it's something to just kind of keep an eye on. Cause now we're, I mean, we're, we're emerging from pandemic hate stuff now. Right. And so, there's going to be a lot of talk around around this subject, and I think one of the most important questions is always just context. And they never, like, you will never see it. But the point is, like, if the point, if if the the idea behind this Microsoft report is like, yeah, people are, you know, people who work at the, you know, bottom, say, uh, or who don't manage someone who actually work directly for a direct report, are having like a thirty percent less good time, and you know, send send notes 
way more often between the hours of like six and, and two a.m. and stuff. Um, like those two things are very directly correlated. They mm-hmm. are, but also like there's, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, yeah, there's separate stuff going on at the at the team system level that is informing just all of this. Yeah, stuff, it's a structural right? problem, right? It's because like, because if if the bosses are having a good time, the underlings aren't, which is usually true. Just yeah, know, in any context, context. Yeah. Uh, but if but if that's been heightened, right? And 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 the and, the, and if you look at the obvious thing there, which is that managers create work, right? Yep. That's their that's their job as they create. Is they create they just create work for people to do, and so if all of a sudden the people working from home are overwhelmed with work, the real problem is that managers are creating way more work than they used to, mm-hmm. right? So yep, that's yep. the problem, right? So how do you solve that? It's like oh, let's go into an office, and now all of a sudden the the managers are all can only create work on average while they're in the, which of course isn't true either because this is what you know email and other systems come in. It's, it's just that it's the systems not. that are in place just don't fully transport home normally. Right. Yeah, and it's also so it's, it's harder to create work for someone when you have to go when you have to go and be like, "Hey, Jerry, I need you to do this piece of work for me." And then Jerry could be like, "Well, I have all this other shit going on." Like, you can't just fire it off in a Slack chat thing where you're like, "Do this," and it doesn't really yeah. put much. Uh, well, yeah, and, I, and of course, you walk over to Jerry's desk and you see it's just covered with stuff, and he's just like sweating, and he's just typing like, "Oh, I have too many things happening." Mm-hmm. And then you say, "Like, you know what? Actually, this is this I'll, doesn't I'll just, matter." You know? I'll just back away, right? Yeah. But of course, you never see Jerry anymore because he's off in I don't know Alaska or something. He's gone. And so, so you could just you could just keep sending those emails and just keep piling work on. And all Jerry is now is just a, a couple of letters in an email that comes back every now and then, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, and uh, yeah, there's there's a few other like beats in there, which one of them was like you know people are craving more more uh, more essentially in in person or just more general time with their colleagues which also makes sense um but again that's that that's probably that could be a structural thing that you can solve you could solve outside of the context of this remote work problem right in the sense of like if you need people to be able to hang out together like how come people aren't seeing each other's faces like what where is this coming Mm -hmm. from what exactly do they mean when they say this and my favorite ones was an employer who was like who who they're as like the example that they gave for like why he's going to keep his people. And he's like, I just like, I just like need to have everybody in the office. And, and I just, you know, I just like having my people around. And again, not a sufficient reason, not a sufficient reason at all. Why? Why do you like having your people around? Is it because people can actually get shit done when they're around? And why is that? Is it because your systems are jank? You know, like, yeah. is it because you're scared people aren't working effectively? So you like the only way you can. You need to see them at their desk working. Like, get in yeah. there, guys. Come on. Like, don't Ans- stop answer the real questions. Uh, yeah. So you're going to see these reports just all over the fucking place. It's already happening right now. Um, and just keep an the eye easy on. easy answers are always wrong. Yeah. The easy yeah. answer, of course, is blame re- remote work because that's the thing that changed. But you know what? Everybody has been sad working for like the last decades. So don't yeah, have, you, have you ever read any article about people talking about work for the past hundred years? Yes. You know? Like, or have you ever talked to a, just a person, or any on, one person on Sunday and think yeah. and ask them, hey, are you looking forward to tomorrow? And the answer is always no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I don't why know. is that? It's like, well, it is, it's a Jevons paradox problem again. Right. Or, or any one of these, like, like if you, once you address a bottleneck that just reveals the next bottleneck, right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you can't solve a problem without revealing other problems because there's no such thing as a complete solution. Right. Yep. So when something changes and problems appear, right. It could be because the thing you did was the problem that mm-hmm. created those things. Right. But the other possibility is that you solved something. And, and then just revealed, revealed the problems. next, the yeah. next bottom. And yeah. 
And either one of those are, are possible but for, for anything that changes, right? And the easy thing to always jump to because people are comfortable with the thing they've been doing and the assumption is, because, is that that's the default. That's normal, right? So because that's normal, everything else has to prove, right? And so, so if something makes you uncomfortable because it's not normal, right? And if the and if you doing that that abnormal thing now makes life more difficult all of a sudden, or causes you to feel worse, or, ca- or causes something to happen, right? Uh, it's just so easy, and it just is the human default to say, "Well, it's because of that that yep. did it." It's right? the new thing. It's the new thing. Therefore, I have to stop doing that, and then I can go back to normal, right? The problem is that normal was broken. That's why you did the thing in the first place. And so you need to figure out is like, is that really what's happening, uh, or is it? Did you reveal some problem that now you need to go fix that one instead? Because like with this whole case, what Work From Home did was reveal that workplaces are fucking terrible at managing work. Yeah. They're terrible well, at it. Well, they're also just toxic when it, with relation to how they treat people's time. Yeah. And respect, and respect the, which are, the which are, work time of their employees. Right. And these are symmetrical yeah. problems, right? Because if yeah. you're good at managing work, because if you can't, if, you, if you're bad at managing work, you also can't, you can't like do a good job of respecting people's time. Because work and time are tightly coupled, right? And so, and even if you want to be respectful of people's time, if you're not managing the work, you still can't actually. So it needs to it needs to start with knowing how to manage the work. So one thing this kind of reminds me of is I was just chatting with a with an online gaming buddy this week, and he had mentioned that he had had a he had a rough Monday, and I was like, "What's going on?" And he's like, "Well, here's the thing: one of our people broke the rule." of no change Fridays. Mm. And I was like, what the fuck is no change Friday? <laughs> He's like, you know, like you can't, you can't like push out code or make any big changes to stuff on a Friday. Otherwise you're gonna have to spend the entire weekend like putting out fires and fixing all the bugs and stuff. Yeah. Cause they don't and have was, DevOps. Yeah. And I was like, buddy, isn't that a sign that there's some seriously broken shit going on? Because what that means is you've allocated Friday entirely to fixing all of the shit that you broke on Thursday, right? Like mm-hmm. that's what Friday is then. If you can't why, actually- yeah, Why are you breaking so much shit? Yeah. Uh, and also that means that now like because somebody turned turned last Friday into Thursday- then now Monday is Friday, right? Yep. Because now Monday is the day where everything is broken. Nobody can do anything. And you're fixing things. Maybe, maybe instead of no change Fridays as a rule, maybe zoom out one layer. Yep. Yep. Step <laughs> and back. Think, what? And just think, what the fuck is going on here? And how do we make, <laughs> how do we just be able to commit changes to stuff? Mm-hmm. Period. And this is what, and this is what the entirety of DevOps is. And in fact, that is the root problem that caused the whole DevOps you know, movement to exist, yep. which is that's that's the whole throwing the pig over the wall thing, right? It's like, well, whatever. Every time every time we push, horrible things happen, right? Every time we deploy horrible things. So we have to we just assume that that's horrible things right. will happen. You start, you start building up infrastructure around dealing with the horrible things happening. Yeah. As right. opposed you design like, your schedule around the yeah. horrible things instead of yeah. trying to figure out how to solve the horrible things, right? Or and you just hire it. up, right? You hire up and you're like, we need 10 more people to deal with all this horrible shit that keeps happening, right? Yep. Uh, or 20 or 30. Well, I think one of our, yeah. one of our core principles, uh, studio, one of the things we talk about a lot uh, whenever we do our quarterly and stuff like that is the, the first one, which is love the work because there's, there's an inverse responsibility built into that which is that the work has to be lovable. It's not a commandment that it's like, you just have to love a hideous, terrible thing that is mean to you. Like, that's not what that 
is. It's sort of a, it's a reverse piece, which is saying uh, we, we find the places where the work is not enjoyable or not something you're able to look forward to coming in and tackling and then ask the question, how and why can we, how, how can we make this into that sort of a thing, right? Um, and yeah, the, the idea that you should just have to deal with it, I don't know. I just, anybody who uses this report to validate the idea that they want to go back into the office, I'm like, you, this is going so far over your everybody's head, and I'm just getting yeah. mad over here. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as as those you know, those headlines that come out, and it's like uh, like scientists scientists prove that eating a chocolate bar a day will will make you live ten years longer, and then you know the next year another one comes out. Eating a chocolate bar a day will give you cancer, and another one comes out. Uh, eating bacon will give you. Mm-hmm. Right, there's like keeps on going, and they're like one's the opposite, the other one, and so on, right? And every time it happens, there's just this non fucking nuanced headline that's like, "Here's how your life has to be now," right? And uh, and it's it's so easy just to look at those things and just be like, "Oh, well, I guess this is what my life has to be now," because that's that that's what the thing said. It just said that, right? Without looking at the context in which that information came out and how it was interpreted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it, uh, it, if. If a conversation starts with, so a recent study showed, your response should always be, no, it didn't. Mm-hmm. It, I well, don't mean, think it, sh- it, it probably also, didn't show that. It also might have, but right, but Maybe. who cares, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter that it showed that because that's the whole job of a study is to like take one specific context, to try a thing, and then report about what happened, right? And so it doesn't mean that they're wrong about what they reported, right? It just means they're wrong about their interpretation of how that influences your context. I, I yeah. think that- or if you see if you see an article that says like eating chocolate may extend your life by ten years, the the actual meaning of that is may or may not, yeah. right? Because that's what may means. May means it could, yep. it could, right? But also, yeah. it, you know, maybe it yeah, doesn't. But I think that- yeah, your, your best move is to always replace may with may not. Actually, because if you read a headline that has the word may in it, just replace not, not even may or may not, just replace it with may just not. May not. Yeah, and you're like, we yeah, don't, we don't know. That. Right? I already knew that. Eating yeah. chocolate may not extend your life by 10 years. Yeah, I knew that. Yes, I <laughs> yeah. Probably doesn't. Context is king for all this stuff, truthfully. So like, yeah, that's, that's the real kicker. If you can figure out the context, it really is the point of, you know, making bold choices based on headlines is typically not going to be a good move. I think that's the simplest way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Now, now the real, the real power move is don't make choices on the headlines. Skip to the comments Oh, and yeah. make choices based on those. That's where the real meat and mm-hmm. potatoes are of, of the discourse. Uh, anyways, you guys want to get on to some questions? Yeah, let's go. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. If you'd like to get your question onto a future episode, just get on over there and dunk a question in the text box. Highest upvoted question comes from Wiggly Honk Quick Pie, an old, an old favorite. It's a fast show, pie. Who says, Seth... Do you use your standing desk during raids? If so, have you noticed any improvement in DPS healing or damage taken? Mm. We need the data for science. So this is actually kind of cool because there's a site called Warcraft Logs where you actually can get down to like the millisecond data of your performance in every raid you've ever done, which is awesome. However... You haven't been logging your standing state probably. I have not been... Yeah, and there's a, there's another issue too, which is of course like my character is changing every week. Like I'm getting different gear pieces and trying different things. Too many variables. There's too many variables going on. You know, for a good experiment, you got to change a thing and then measure the outcome. Yeah, because the other question is why? Why are you standing now? You know, because it may be the thing that causes you to stand is the actual reason. That you what if you're standing because you're tired? 
Exactly. Kind of like be a little more yeah. puppy. Or what if I'm standing because I'm so jazzed because I was already doing really good healing? Yeah. There what if go. three quarters of the time it's one, the other quarter of the time it's the other? So the only yeah. way to do it like in a meaningful way, because it's good, it's all about randomization. You gotta you gotta randomization is all about removing things that are unexpectedly coupled, right? So what you need to do is have a random timer that just like sits on your desk that every once in a while just goes boop, right? And then you're like, oh, I have to do whichever one I'm not doing. I flip to that one, right? So now in any one play session, maybe you'll switch between standing and sitting like two or three times, right? So not constantly because that's going to be a problem, but just just enough that yeah. you get a nice distribution of of time spent doing that thing that you didn't choose. Mm, now now the whole question that. of why did you do it is just gone, right? And then do that over a long time, weeks and weeks and weeks to deal with all the other millions of variables that are happening. And then you might find out. Now, now I will say I do stand while I'm doing PvP, player versus player. You gotta stand while doing PvP. I mean, because it's, it's aggressive. It's so intense. You need it. Like you need to have. You need a combat stance. You gotta have the knees bent. You gotta be ready to respond. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're playing tennis. There's a stance that you need to be in. You can't just sit sort of slurbed into your into your chair. No, I you mean know, your, your like physical a, your physical posture does have a bit of an output on like on how you're how you start thinking about stuff and how aggressive you are. So like standing. And also vice versa. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. standing while, uh, while, while killing people in video game, better, especially in a competitive landscape. Relaxing uh, on your back while building your island to Animal Crossing, way better. I don't know if I, I – like I wouldn't stand up to build an island in Animal Crossing. That just depends, seems, on how, depends on how aggressively you're doing it, you know? If you're just, just like – Screaming yeah. the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you able to build something in Animal Crossing that's like a – like a spiky demon infested looking island that's got a real like edge lord kind of vibe mm-hmm. to it. I'm sure someone's pulled off because you might need to stand for that. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah, you you may want to just chill. Uh, so yeah, no, I don't know yet. I don't know. But uh, Adam's got a standing desk coming. I do. I have all the parts except for the actual desk top. But I decided to stop fucking around, and I, I also got a real like boom for my. I got like one of those articulating arms for my microphone because I'm just – it's sitting on my desk and it's always like bumping into stuff. And like right now, like anytime I want to do anything. So like if we're – if the three of us are chatting and I'm like, ooh, I want to go grab my my walk my Wacom, 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 Sackam tablet. Your you know? tablet? <laughs> yeah. If I want to go use my tablet so we can do some like you know virtual Whiteboarding. whiteboarding. Yeah. Then now I'm like leaning. I'm like way to the side and then, and then I just get further and further away from my microphone, you know? <laughs> and so – so it's just, it's just stupid. Like, and I just, so there are a handful of these things that I'm just really excited about finally, like having some good stuff. Well, know? coming into our, into our long weekend, we were, we were talking about how the long weekend was fix your shit weekend because yep. it's spring break. You know, the, we're, we're, we're all getting our vaccines. Uh, the sun is shining. Like th- things are really turning the corner. And, you know, maybe over the past year, you've let, you've, you've let some things sit that, you really just maybe should have taken mm-hmm. care of. So for me, like I got a, I got a, a smart thermostat to save a bunch of money on my on my uh, heating and cooling in my house, but also to give me a better night's sleep. And I got a bed jet. Mm-hmm. I got a guy coming to put sod in my backyard because my backyard has been literally a mud hole for four years. And I'm like, what if there was you know a place what if I could it walk? Wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, so we were talking about it being fix your shit weekend. So then Adam ordered his standing desk. Also so came like, directly, you know what? Let's just fix our shit. Yeah, this came directly after the catastrophic failure uh, discussion thing out of the yeah. Friday Town Hall. We were like, you know, yeah. If you got anything going on that you just let and slip on by and just slowly destroy you without really paying attention, stop. Just yeah. stop. Well, it was, yeah, it was like with my schedule change that yeah, we talked about of, mm-hmm. of 
taking a taking a two hour lunch break and then does, and then spanning out the day beyond that um, to just still get the same work hours in, but have that two two hour break. It's been yeah. Um, I went. I voted during my break. You know, it was just like a part of my day. I just drove out, just voted, voted. came back. You know, did a few chores, had lunch, had had a good time chatting with my wife, played with cats. You know, there's a lot of stuff you can do in the middle of the day if you have enough of a time span. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fix your shit. Fix your shit. Fix your shit, everybody. All right. Next question comes from Fly Hoppy X Rampa, who says, "Sam, hmm. would you mind sharing what brushes you mainly use for Clip Studio Paint?" Oh, yeah. Brushes is an interesting thing. So uh, for those who aren't familiar in digital digital art programs, you have uh, this concept of a brush, which is supposed to be a rough analog to, you know, an actual physical brush you would use. It's just the pattern in which pixels are laid down. Exactly. And, like, and then how opaque they are. Yeah. So the difference on the digital side is that you can you can do all sorts of zany shit with the same brush, right? So you could take it. Uh, say you got like a long, a long flat one that's for putting down like square, just like sort of a square chonky thing. Uh, you could like, you could twist, you could rotate it. So now you're doing it almost like a chisel tip, like a, like a weird ink uh, whiteboard marker or something like that. Uh, you could change the opacity of it. You could change how it like smudges colors underneath it and that sort of thing. Uh, so what I found was interesting is that, is that in Clip Studio Paint, uh, most of the default brushes are like really fucking good. So the two that I mainly use are, or the three is the design pencil. It's just a pencil. That's it. Uh, the oil paint brush, which is great for basically like smooth painting and blending stuff. Uh, and then the G pen, which is basically just a drawing pen. G pen. The G pen. Now, importantly, what I've been doing uh, in the case of Crash 2, as well as in my general clip studio practice, is similar. One of the things I always wanted, like I, again, I've, I've talked about, I don't have super good uh, hands for drawing lines because I've actually only been drawing drawing lines for like a couple of years. So they're not. You got those he's got squibbly he's got hands. baby hands. Yeah. So like I, when I go to put down a line, it sometimes it's just not where I want it to be. You know, uh, so the other nice thing about Clip Studio is that regardless of the brush you use, and this was the like the mind blowing thing, regardless of the brush you use, you can you can create a vector layer, okay, and it looks exactly the fucking same, like it looks exactly the same. So you you might be drawing with some weird like sandy brush, it's all like speckled and stuff, uh, but then you can go into the vector layer and you can just like wiggle that shit. You can just wiggle that line around, and it looks flawless. I don't understand what kind of stuff they got going on back there, um, but it works really really well. And then when it comes to uh, achieving like a particular outline for something, this is one of the things I love from vector programs, which is you, you just say, because it's math, you're just like put one pixel around this whole thing and it's black. And like that's just a perfect line, right? Um, that was something I was trying to figure out how to get a rough, achieve, like rough equivalent for in Clip Studio. And so what I've actually been doing is basically the, the, the sort of silhouette of the object has a, a layer effect on it, which is just a little thing you can click on that literally does the same thing. You can just say, add a one pixel border to this whole, whatever's in here. And then it does it magically and keeps it like perfectly crisp. So, it looks amazing. Yeah. So those like the combination of those couple of things, like it doesn't take very many brushes um, to, to really get most of the stuff you want. And then for, if you're doing like environmental stuff, that's usually where you have to get into like, you want to grab a particular brush that looks a, a brush that paints leaves. Yeah. Cause the whole point is like, what is it? What's a brush really for? And it's to save you time. It's to do a bunch of stuff fast. Yeah. yeah oftentimes. And that's usually what, like organic stuff. That's where you want some brush. You want to be like, Oh, this is like a rusty, like a rusty piece of metal. Oh my God. Drawing each one of the rust flakes. No, yeah, thanks. No, thanks. Drawing each leaf. <laughs> no. Um, that's where you find a brush. So other than that, you just use the basic ones, which I think Clip Studio has like out of the gate. They're just excellent. 
Yeah, Sam's doing a lot of really cool stuff with all the tools and the the, the way of putting the art together and stuff. But you know, it's a visual medium. Maybe it's time for a stream. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's probably mm-hmm. time for Sam to do some some knowledge sharing using a visual medium of some sort. Yeah, sometime, sometime. I mean, he should do what he wants. What he can do he is should. he can <laughs> he can maybe like illustrate a children's book uh, about how you use Clip Studio Paint. Mm, yes, you know, lots of rhymes with and those like baby animal hands. characters. Yeah, with yeah. baby hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like that. I think that would be good. All right, next question comes from Retro Banana Man NL, who says, you guys are a bunch of creative introverts. That got me thinking, what is your Myers-Briggs personality type? I'm Ooh. curious to hear how you differ from each other. I want to clarify first before we go into this uh, personality psychology-wise that these tests are just slightly better than horoscopes. So yeah. uh, so let's get into so let's it and take them as gospel. The people who, <laughs> who invented them uh, had had no training or even like understanding of – psychology or any of those things so, yeah, so they're, they're rock just solid. be aware of that yeah yep. but still but it is all that said very fun to do those it's tests fun and, and then be like who were you like and, and it doesn't like mean anything deep right but it, it gives you a nice starting point because the things we've been talking about especially recently is how much shit is hiding from you because it's just you're just yes. making assumptions you're unaware of right so what things like these let you do which is the only reason i don't hate them is that they they provide us uh, they provide uh, a way to articulate some things some some language that you can use to help you describe stuff and they ask you questions th- that you might not think to ask yourself and they also give you a comparison to other people because by mm-hmm. default you just assume other people are the way that you are and they see things the way that you do um, and and so now all of a sudden somebody says like so in my case I'm an INTJ or Mm-hmm. I'm an INTJ or another one, and it flips depending on which test I take because, again, it's not real, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, but, but again, it's useful because then, like, because I'm like my wife and I took these a million years ago, and we we're like, oh, cool. Like, what? Did, so, why did you answer this question this way, right? Because that's now all of a sudden where you get to start learning about each other and yourself, and so they can be a useful tool as long as you ignore the end result because that doesn't yes. matter. If you focus on the whole thing, like asking your, the questions and then like using that for discussions and internal reflection, and they're very useful. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I took it, I think, 10 years ago or something. Mm. And at that time, I got INTJ, but I can't remember what any of those stand for or what they mean. It's E and I is extrovert, introvert. It's introvert, nocturnal. Nocturnal. Uh, yeah. Transcendent. Journey. <laughs> Germany? Journ- journeyman. You know, like a genuine, like a, but spelled with a J. Jer- journeyman, like that lay that level of uh, of apprenticeship, you know. Like where mm-hmm. you know, like in video games where did you, can, you, like, you can make pretty I good can't stuff. Tell if you made all those he up. He made all of them up, yeah. I did, I did <laughs> make all of those up. Except for the introvert part. <laughs> yeah, that one that, that one I no, would have made up, but it? Sam got there first with the real ones. So yeah, I didn't like, realize we were we were bamboozling Seth. I didn't I missed the I missed the cue. <laughs> I, well, I was, office, I, I was like, know? you know, none of none of those seem right, but I don't know enough. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think – I mean, to Adam's point, I think the, the fun part about all these – and I've actually done uh, – sorry, the co-working space we worked at, this is one of the, the one downside, is that uh, they used to host these dope Halloween parties every year. And there's a tarot card reader, and tarot cards is the same shit, right? Someone pulls out like 12 cards, and then they like flip them over and tell the story about stuff. Um, and as Adam said, like they perform – it's really fun because you actually get to – it's sort of like you get to fight with someone, right? You know, like sometimes you're like, oh, should I do this or this? And then someone says, you should do that. And you go, no, I'm going to do the other thing. Uh, because for some reason, having someone tell you how you are 
can provide enough of an impetus to be like, how am I actually? Am I really like that? No. It makes you think that. about it. Yeah. Um, so those things are, are super fun. The the mine is the ENFP on the Myers Briggs. E what does that mean? It's extroverts. <laughs> uh nocturnal. Nocturnal. Still. We've been over nocturnal. that. Nocturnal. Fast. Uh, person. Fast. Per yeah. Yep. I'm a person. Yeah. You know, yep. it's a good thing you took that test, otherwise we wouldn't have known. It's Honestly, like, I didn't also know. Yeah, I didn't know that I was super fast until I took that. And I was like, I thought about it and I was like, yeah, actually, I am fast. Actually, am fast. Yeah. You know, looking through yeah. this lens, life's a blur. Yeah. Yeah. And also, since I took this thing like 10 years ago, I don't know what my results would be if I took it again now, because I'm pretty sure. Are you saying everything about you isn't just fixed? Mm -hmm. um, I think some of the cells in my body are the same as they were. 10 years ago. Well, actually, the, the, the wild thing is, is that many of those cells are the same are in your brain. And yet, yeah. that is the thing that changes the most. Well, oh that's because, you know, those cells don't need to be replaced because they're already doing good work of changing themselves. Yeah. Well, they just, they just touch other. They're, just, they're all just a bunch of touchy little creepers, you know, and they're just touching each other. So they just change who they're touching. And then all of a sudden, you think differently now. It's weird. So your brain is you just touching yourself? Is that? Yeah. Yep. Sounds about right. Sounds about mm -hmm. right. Well, so the other thing is I took, so set to your, to your point about how does this change over time? I took this Myers-Briggs test, like, I think I did it every year for fun, for like, because I did psych, and so I did it over, I think, four or five years. And all that happened was that the F, I think T is the opposite of it. It's feeling and thinking. It's the actual one. There you go. Um, is that my F drifted closer to a T to the point where mm. it's actually just on the boundary line. It's like a, it's like a two or three into, to, into the F territory. So it's about balance more so than it is about these things, right? Because the weird thing is then I get categorized as an F. Well, that's the other part too is all, everything is a spectrum, right? Yep. Because it's also true, like because you could do like these self-diagnostic tests for like ADHD and autism, all kinds of stuff, which of course your psychiatrist would be like, please don't do that, right? Uh, Please don't. <laughs> and again, it's the same. It's the same rationale. Is because if you take that test, and you're like, oh, like oh, I, I have this thing, right? Then that's not sufficient, right? You need the whole thing. Uh, because remember, these are all invented. These are all an invented category for particular parts mm -hmm. of a bunch of spectra of behavior, uh, and how those relate to the way that we've constructed our society, right? And so, so again, using those things like those self diagnostics, not to find out like, do I have autism or whatever, right? But to see the kinds of things that people differ on, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of get a well, sense that, that of where was... you fit and then talk to especially people you have relationships with because all of your fucking conflicts are because you don't see yep. the world and behave in the same way and you think you're supposed to, right? That is every single yep. conflict. And these kinds of tools are really helpful for discovering that. I mean, it, it kind of blew my mind when I was going through the ADHD questionnaire stuff. And, you know, it would ask me questions, be like, you ever like not know where your keys are? And I'm like, I mean, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My, I was the same. Who I was does? like, people, yeah, I was like, I was like, wait, people, people know where people their, know keys where their are? stuff is. That's a thing. Yeah. Why is this a question? Everybody's just going to answer yes. I thought to myself, <laughs> keys are just one of those things that just aren't anywhere which, until suddenly which, they are. <laughs> which also reminds me, uh, uh, we were having a, you guys might've all been there. I can't remember who was on the call, but we were, we were having a chat with our, with our dads and, uh, and they mentioned something about how all of a sudden recently, uh, they've been like in the middle of a conversation and all of a sudden, uh, they'll just completely lose their train of thought and have no idea what they were talking about. And, and they were talking about this as if there was just like this just wild thing that was happening. I was like, wait, wait, wait. I was like, this has been a thing that I've just always constantly dealt with. I was like, I didn't know that other people didn't. Until all of a sudden, here's 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 our dads who are like, I think COVID fucked up my brain a little bit, right? And they're describing, I'm like, that just is how my brain works. Yeah, yeah. 
It's, yeah, it's like it, the, I mean, the assumptions with, you're making are you like you don't even know they're there. Yeah, it's funny with my with my wife. We've had this uh, uh, this internal joke now, which is someone just goes where, which is basically what I scream all the time. Which is when I'm told <laughs> to go get something that is, and it's just it literally is like right in front of my face. Yeah, I can't see, I can't those see it. Yep. Can't see it. <laughs> so this happened actually to such a degree. So uh, yesterday I came downstairs and and my wife's like, "Here's the stack of kiwis." The stack of kiwi boxes that were in the fridge that you like didn't eat, and I was like, "What? We and had then, kiwis." She's like, mm-hmm. "She's like, you asked me to buy more kiwis and grapes yesterday, and we have three boxes of kiwis that are now basically defunct <laughs> that I'm throwing out, and we also have grapes." And I was like, I just looked at her, and she started smiling, and I just go, "Where?" <laughs> Yeah, I have the same thing. I can, I can I be looking right at a thing, and I'm just like, I'm just like, I, what? I can't, I can't see it. Like, Where and, is it? And that whole thing of like, and I've always been so like surprised that like, and I always felt like it was just like some sort of personal failing, as if people thought I was doing it on purpose, you know? Because like my wife would just be like. Like she she would need something and be like, oh, can you go grab the whatever? And I'd be like, oh yeah, like I know where that is, you know. So like I go try to get it, and I just it's not there. It just is not there. <laughs> I don't see it. It's not there. And then and then so the Jenny comes over. And she's like, and then she just take it's like in front of my it's, eyeballs, and yep. she just takes it, you know. And I'm like, I don't know. What is I don't I don't understand what other people yep. are doing. Well, I know? think it's a thing with the with the the ADHD brain. Where like because you're thinking about finding the thing, then visual information is not being prioritized as what matters somehow. Where like what you're you're like you're you're focused internally, so you are looking at stuff, but you're not seeing literally anything. Yeah, I'm very bad right? at parsing visual information, like really bad at it. Yeah. So yeah, that that may also be part of it. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. Brains yeah. are brains so, are yeah. weird. Everyone's brain is different. Uh, don't do much with the results of those tests, but take them anyway because they're fun and use they're them fun. as self-reflection and uh, and uh, discussion points with loved ones. Yeah, and then throw them away. Throw, throw, throw the them, test throw them right away. in the not the, not your loved ones. Keep no. them around. Yeah, yeah. Most, well, most of them. Yeah, you may learn most. some things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together, and thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net. We have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.